0: Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 91. My name is Brooke. If you're looking to grow in the faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or you're simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise and who like to have fun in the process, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you aren't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to ensure you get the best Catholic-handed conversations delivered to you right when they air. Don't forget to drop by Theologyofthebuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. Hello, Dave. I mean, Chris. I mean, Mike. Tim. Dave? Who the hell's Dave?
1: (laughs) What
2: are you doing, Brooke? (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is highly
2: irregular.
0: Tim was hanging out in the uh, in the dock, just slowly adding to the, the show notes.
2: <laughs> Classic Tim.
0: So, Chris, it's been a while. We missed you. It's good to be back. It's good to be back.
1: Thank you. Thank it's
0: you. good to have you back, man. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers.
1: And uh, although people will be listening to this after candlemas tomorrow is candlemas so happy candlemas everybody happy feast of the purification of the blessed virgin mary happy 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 end of the season of light yeah it'll be it'll be good to take the christmas tree down
0: (laughs) i was just saying to mike i was just like I'm at the point where I look at the Christmas tree and it's just like a thing on my to-do list that I haven't been able to get done. So now I'm just like, "Ugh, I want it out of my- I want to put away and I want to move on with my life.
2: <laughs> I was sassing her about her lack of Christmas cheer that at this point. The tree is just like a basket of laundry or something every time she looks at it
0: because i know i i'm the one that's gonna like take care of getting all the christmas stuff put away for the most part so i'm just like i just want to get it done i just want to i just want to finish the job you know what i mean Mm. so like i mean it's the saddest time of the year really and i feel it every single year so i'm just like i'm just ready to like clean clean house start fresh (laughs) maybe it's because it feels like i'm still in like 2022 or something like that because like my decor is all the same i don't know
1: (laughs) i just want to throw this out there i think this needs to be said for all of our friends who are listening right now like mike and brooke are responsible for for saving christmas in a big way for julie and i this year we were we were going through some pretty rough weeks months Mm -hmm. um and uh my mom unfortunately was very unwell at the time, and Mike and Brooke showed up the day before Christmas Eve and put our tree up and decorated it and cleaned our house and set up our crash. It was amazing. I just wanted to put it on the record <laughs> so that the whole world knows just what great friends you are. You really put the buddy in theology of the buddy. And, um, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. dude. We were, we were happy no, to thank help. you. Thank you. So, I mean, whereas you guys had to put up two trees and take down one tree, I only have to take down one tree. So. <laughs>
0: my, job, well, now, my job's now, a lot easier. Now I know what you want oh, for Christmas man. next year, right? You want, like, <laughs> an extra tree. <laughs> an extra tree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe I need to just come to your house and take down your tree for you. Maybe that's what we'll do. <laughs> huh? Oh, but, but then you'd probably feel like things are unfinished
0: for you but here's hey, the brooke. thing
2: too like <laughs> it's a sad season and i feel like brooke gets kind of a boost from redecorating the house
0: yeah i do i really do i feel like you can start fresh it's just like okay like we're coming we're coming out of christmas time we're going into pre-lent and then basically all of march is lent and i'm like i have nothing to really look forward to for like a little while Eeyore, Eeyore, Eeyore. Oh, yeah. Wow. Easter's, yeah wow. oh the
1: Gizimas.
0: I know I know
1: <laughs> Brooke, Brooke is entering into this season of sad to Gizima.
0: Yeah that's that's yeah. basically that's basically me I'm 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 normally pretty Long upbeat man. but this time of year is always rough That's all <laughs> Speaking of this uh of years and catching up Chris we have to know what was your album of the year for 2022
1: (laughs) you would think you would think that i would have like prepared myself for this because i threw it out there that i probably should say it
0: yeah you called Um, you called me you called me last night or the night before you're just like hey bro can i tell them what my album of the year was and i was like yeah sure that'd be a great idea okay sweet i'm so excited for smash burgers on saturday
1: (laughs) well that's true though (laughs) that is true
0: burger day at our house for a belated chris birthday party and he really wanted i really wanted to make him smash burgers because he was saying i love smash burgers they're my favorite burgers and i only died a little bit inside because like my burger recipe is like i think top tier and most people would agree Mm -hmm. but when chris said smash burgers are my favorite burgers i was like challenge accepted bro bring it i mean i'll bring it i'll bring the smash burgers (laughs)
1: <laughs> brooke, brooke just can't handle the idea that there might be a burger better than hers in my mind she wants to be mm-hmm. able to be in top level at like everything like she yeah. just <laughs>
2: everyone
0: she can't be
1: outdone F-
0: food is my love language man it's one of them anyway so if like i want to know that i can like put a good meal on the table and chris will always be happy to have it
1: it's not that i don't feel that way when you serve burgers brooke I'm just saying that my preference for burgers is a lighter burger. That's it.
0: Let's just say I have a lot to make up for for that one time I made really bad spaghetti sauce. And you were That's like, wow, this is so generous of you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, look, look.
1: <laughs> Father Steve was the one that dealt with the brunt of that that terrible, terrible sauce. So <laughs> I'm, I made it through. He didn't. He didn't even make it home um, before, oh, before man. it. All came up.
2: We need an album of the year.
1: Easily. So in Fall terms of boy. album that I listened to the most, or at least band that I listened to the most, was Me Without You. Without question. It was Out of the Park, Me Without You, all and year. Um,
2: Single tier.
3: Popular choice.
1: Yeah, because they broke up this year and so we went um, to their
2: farewell tour we did Before. it was
1: really good yeah but in terms of new album this year i am origami part three by john van dusen so good so good there's one crappy song on it i don't really like it theologically but the rest of it is just so good so i am origami part three Jen john van dusen
2: there we go heretical album of the year <laughs>
1: this is good, <laughs> and, and hold on hold on though we do, need to shout, garbage. we do need to do a shout out to um becoming <laughs> the archetype because they did come back this year too oh yeah um and their children of the great extinction was a was a good album it wasn't their best album
2: probably the biggest nostalgia bomb album yeah <laughs> for mm. me
1: yeah oh you know what else oh gosh i i'm kind of needing to take I think my two I have to I have to put two bands to, or two albums together. So I Am Origami Part Three by John Van Dusen and Death Rattles Sing for Me by Norma Jean. That mm-hmm. album was pristine. I love that album. That took me back to Redeemer days. Like That was a good
2: one.
3: Anyway.
0: All right, guys. Well, this topic for today was actually suggested to us by none other than Tim.
3: We're talking about the concept of sacrifice where it is expressed and where it is notably not expressed Mm -hmm. because uh, one of the things, you know, I'm a convert. So one of the things that I noticed when I started making my conversion, when I started looking into Catholicism actually, was that there is a very well-developed theology of sacrifice. You know, like we were talking before the show, you know, Chris was saying that, If you look in the Vatican II documents, it's even extremely well expressed in the Vatican II documents. Our practice of it is lacking since uh, in in the Novus Ordo. But where you see the lack of it, though, is especially in the Protestant denominations, where the concept of atonement is not so much a sacrificial relationship, but it's much more of a contractual relationship. Even to the point where, you know, people were, when I talked to them about baptism, I'm like, okay, the necessity of baptism. You've got places, you know, Acts 2, it talks about uh, believe and be baptized, you and your family, and, uh, or uh, baptism, uh, which is the ark that now saves you, which is another another verse that talks about the necessity of baptism. You know, one of the things that it goes back, that Protestant, uh, Protestant theology goes back to is, well, what about the thief on the cross? And... That is usually couched in the terms of, well, he had a different contract with God, or yet, or even they try and say it in the terms of, oh, he has a different covenant with God, which is absolutely incorrect. I mean, if you look at covenantal type of relationships, it doesn't cost them mustard. But yeah, I mean, that's where the that's where the idea is going, and the way that we use space in the church, the way that w- the language that we use, the way that we pray, uh, the way that we behave in the church really goes back to our idea of that sacrificial relationship, you know, our standing with God. What is it based off of? Because if you have, you know, the sacred vessels are part of the ritual of sacrifice. And so the way that we treat them speaks to how we view that sacrifice. In the older rite, you see sacristans with velvet gloves. In the newer rite, it's little old ladies walking up and just kind of tossing stuff on a table. Well, not—that's unfair to say tossing it on a table. I mean, they're they're decently reverent to the point that they allow themselves to be. But they, you can tell that because of the way that we've changed how we behave in the sanctuary. The sanctuary is does not have that that marking of sacred space. I mean, in any parish that you go to, FSSP, FSSPX, uh, diocesan parishes that are set aside for the older right, you don't see little old ladies or even laymen generally going into the sanctuary without a very, very, very specific purpose, if at all. Without being vested right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a process. And it's like, okay, so you look at the Old Testament, going into the Holy of Holies, it was such a serious thing. That They tied a rope around the foot of the high priest and he had bells on his garment so that if he did something wrong and got struck dead by God, they could pull him out. You know, that's the seriousness that sacred space is treated with by God. And essentially you go into the sanctuary, you're going into the holy holies. God was on the mercy seat in on the ark, but we've got God in the tabernacle. You know, you're just as close to the Almighty in that sanctuary as you were in the Holy of Holies before the veil was ripped. And the way that we behave is totally counter. I mean, it's absolutely counter to the nature of what we're doing. It's, you know, and thank God that, you know, the older right is still vibrant. I mean, despite everything that's been going on for the last few years now, you know, because there's got to be a place where we preserve that sense of the sacred, we preserve that sense of the sacrificial. Relationship that we have with God because, for the most part, you don't see it in a lot of our parishes, and you don't, you definitely don't see it outside of the church because the there is no sanctuary in Protestant churches, there's no altar, there is no tabernacle, there is no real presence, it's a stage. Every at year. least, at least Open. in
1: evangelical terms, right? I mean, you've got like Anglicans yeah. and such, and Lutherans that have. Oh well, yeah,
3: yeah. To right? and, and to a point, they, I mean, they the Anglicans they do have an altar, but you know they still are lacking in the. You know, they don't have uh, transubstantiation. You know, they may have communion as a symbolic gesture.
0: There's, they're <laughs> using air, air quotes. quotes. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, (laughs) which doesn't translate very well over to uh, an audio-only podcast. But yeah, no, and so outside of the church, you've got this lack of sacred space. You've got this lack of uh, recognition of sacrifice where, you know, they pay lip service to it. They talk about the sacrifice on Calvary, but they don't see it as something that continues on through the ages, through the representation at, you know, what, well, for us, it's the representation at the mass. There, there's no concept of that outside of the church. In fact, it's the fact that we consider Calvary to be present at every single mass is seen as blasphemy outside of the church. It's a funny
2: dynamic, I think, with Protestants, with respect to the, the concept of sacrifice, because as you said, on the one hand, when the sacrifice is brought up, they see it as blasphemous as like re-sacrificing our lord mm-hmm. things like that but then on the other hand the lack of that sacrifice in their worship causes them to misunderstand so many things
3: bonhoeffer called it uh, cheap grace and he was you know he's lutheran
2: it goes into the argument about um, venerating the saints and our lady too right i forget who it was that pointed this out to me but i realized that worship in an evangelical church is because of the lack of sacrifice the way they worship god is on such a a lower level that it does resemble how we venerate the saints <laughs> because it's just like oh we give you honor and that's basically it right it's not like they don't even interact with god
3: like a
2: god whom receives A sacrifice.
0: And and asks for that.
3: Actually, one of the things that it made, okay, so one of the things that made me think of is, okay, so in Protestant terminology, largely when you talk about worship, it's considered to be singing. Praise and worship is one concept where it's basically the Hagen and Haas hymn book and God, you are my God and, you know, whatever Mighty fortresses, our God, and all these other hymns—these are, you know, these are considered worship. Where for us, you know, okay, yeah, we have the we have chant, uh, and you know, that's one way that you pray. But this goes back to a discussion that we've had, well, not too recently, but uh, discussing the the ways of the spiritual life. Just a nod to our uh, our Carmelite brethren out there, where. With with Protestantism, okay, so you've got the, the rote prayers, just the verbal prayers as a base, but they don't have that. Then you've got mental prayer, which they're kind of thrown into, and they have to find a way to make that work. You know, God bless them. A lot of times you've got some extremely holy Protestants who do very, very well with it and develop a certain intimacy with God and a very high level of intimacy with God at that level. But progressing past that, if you don't have access to the sacraments, it really limits your ability to progress past that. And so it's stunted in the way that you can pray. It's stunted, you know, they're stunted in the way that you can worship because I mean, and a lot of it's self-limiting because, you know, like you're saying, you know, everything that is at the higher level is for some reason considered to be blasphemous or papist or whatever in some way, shape or form, you know, anytime you start getting up to those levels. Okay. So, you know, we've got the veneration of the saints, but And, you know, that really is an apt analogy for how they relate to God in a lot of ways. It's that, that dulia or even hyperdulia. But then, you know, we've got different levels beyond that that we go to where, you know, it's the holy sacrifice of the mass. And there's nothing that replaces that. Nothing whatsoever. Because anything that approaches that is immediately heresy, blasphemy, all these abjectly horrible words are thrown at it and it's self-limiting. You know, unfortunately they've cut themselves off from those avenues of grace because they've cut themselves off from their history.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's quite interesting, you know, especially in evangelical circles, particularly in like the more pentecostal charismatic circles, especially the ones that start getting into, you know, start kind of getting into that like prosperity gospel kind of attitude where, you know, even the idea of Physical suffering is seen as not just like a bad thing, like a morally evil thing that like God could never ever want or allow and, you know, almost has to be exorcised from a person. And, you know, it's kind of funny because those same... You know, charismatic evangelical Protestants, you know, like in places like IHOP and things like that will encourage their faithful to when they want to go deeper in prayer to look to the Catholic sources (laughs) about what it means to grow deeper in prayer. But the thing is that where they hit a wall is when you start going deeper and deeper, even in the interior life, the sacrifice that's required of the soul is even greater than you know than in previous stages Mm. what a stumbling block that would be for a protestant to read that an evangelical protestant or whatever who may be thinking no suffering is bad and needs to be needs to be healed and you know if you're not healed you've got a blockage in your life that's preventing god from healing you and things like that but like really god allows us more and more in that interior life to become more and more like him Him in his suffering Mm -hmm. and eventually in his death, you know, you know, but also in his resurrection. I think it's, I think it's quite interesting because like that's kind of what the interior life imitates in a way our understanding of the liturgical life, right? And our, and the way Mm -hmm. we worship, right? Because again, as we grow deeper in that worship, as it becomes more and more Christ himself, The more there is that requirement of sacrifice. I'm I'm listening right now, listening through Josh Porter's book, uh, "Death to Deconstruction." And one of the, I guess, the main points that he says, and I thought and I found this quite quite interesting, was that one of the causes for people to turn to deconstructionism from you know their previously held Christian faith is the requirement of self denial Mm -hmm. that. When rubber hits the road and they start having to sacrifice their wants, their needs, their desires for Christ, it's like that you know that young rich man who was told to go and sell all his possessions, and he went away sad, yeah, it's like that, so I found that quite interesting because i I think without and you know Josh Porter is coming from that evangelical you know Southern Baptist kind of mindset where this idea of sacrifice doesn't exist for them. Right. And so if you don't have a proper theology behind sacrifice, yeah, when you start hitting that requirement to start laying down your life, you're going, what? This, w- this wasn't what was sold to me. You know, and you eventually deconstruct.
3: Yeah. So I was I was thinking about what you were saying there, and the concept of sacrifice is so baked in to our concept of prayer. And the old school Catholic, uh, especially you know, Carmelite, they're still continuing it on very strongly. uh, Understanding of the interior life and where. You know, you start off with Judaism and the temple and the temple is a picture of prayer and sacrifice and the interior life where you've got the outer gates, which, you know, is that initial phase. And then you move on to the phase of illumination where you're in into the interior and you've got different forms of sacrifice there. You've got uh, the grain, the fruit, and ultimately coming up to the lamb. And then the final stage, you've got the Holy of Holies itself. So you've progressed through these various sacrifices, building to God himself. And if even the new catechism, uh, probably the absolute best section of the new catechism that uh, Pope John Paul II put out was the uh, section on prayer. Uh, Just amazingly well written. Absolutely beautiful. And it talks about deification. And that deification comes through sacrifice and, you know, ultimately the sacrifice of yourself through prayer to God. And it's, you know, it's something, so it's something that's so hardcore baked into our theology that it goes back to the very architecture of the temple.
1: Yeah. Like the thing, the thing is like God desires us to be like him and Christ in the, in his incarnation and his life, passion, death, resurrection. Like we get to, by our baptism, we're given access to experience that, Mystically and sacramentally, you know, and to be united to that. And I mean, it's a, it is a, it's a rich gift, you know, it's a mister, it's a mysterious gift. But when you don't have an understanding that that's what's coming, what do you do with that? Uh, Like, I know for myself, you know, in, in years past, when things got really hard for me and I started to kind of doubt and really struggle in my own way, you know, like, a lot of what kind of brought me back was that realization of, one, that this is what God wants for us because he wants us to become like him. But it was also, you know, we were talking about this earlier too, one of the biggest struggles for me was knowing that this was what the Mass itself was about. Mm -hmm. And then going to the local parish down the street, walking in and tambourines and clapping and jokes at the ambo and things like this and show tunes at the, at the actual altar. And it was like, do we even believe that this is the representation of Jesus on? On Calvary, like, do we even get this? And then, like, you know, and this is kind of where, like, my friend Tate was telling me about this. Shout out to Tate. He'll probably never hear this, but like, he was saying that the Latin mass saved his faith because of that very reason. He, when he walked in, he saw it. He saw what the church teaches. He saw all of that. And it, it woke him back up to his faith that we, he was at that point slipping away from. And I, and it did oh, the yeah. same for me in a big way as well. So anyway, just, just throwing that out there you know like i think like our worship really does you know lex orandi lex credendi it really does inform how we how we act and and believe
3: oh yeah and i think that probably the best single picture the best the best granularization of this is the eucharistic prayers uh, you and i were talking about this before it started and the eucharistic prayer has changed so much and it was ultimately replaced by a jewish table prayer yeah. rather than recognizing it, which i mean you've actually got a copy of yeah where uh, from a, from a jewish source their yeah. table prayers and where if you if you look at what the eucharistic prayer was to what it is in the newer rite it doesn't rem- one does not resemble the other the newer rite is the jewish table prayer which speaks to the idea uh, this is not a sacrifice this is a meal but yeah. the reality of it is whether we want to whether we want to say that it is or not it's a sacrifice and unfortunately we're walking down that path with 90 some odd percent of catholic churches 90 some odd percent of catholic masses of saying that this is a meal not a sacrifice and unfor- yeah
1: i'll just read to you from this book just
3: can we clarify that we're talking about the offertory
1: Yes. 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 Exactly. No, oh, yeah. Sorry. Not the canon
2: with the offertory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The offertory prayers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, in this book, it's Hasidur HaShalem. So these, these blessings are taken from the Mishnah, the Babylonian Talmud and the Palestinian Talmud. And so it says here over, so this is a blessing over bread. And it says, blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, to bringest forth bread from the earth. Okay. Or over wine. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the Universe, who createst the fruit of the vine. That's almost word for word uh, from Mass. I mean, shout
2: out to uh, Mass of the Ages. You can see that clip from mm-hmm. uh, Ben Hur
3: where they pray that prayer.
1: It's interesting, right? Like why Bunini clearly knew what he was doing mm-hmm. <laughs> when they oh, yeah. when they put that in there. No,
3: oh. mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's a seed of poison. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, like. Communion in the hand, it changes our view of the Eucharistic sacrifice. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the whole trad wife thing. You take something whole and you bring it down to your level rather than elevating to the level of what you're trying to attain.
0: What I was going to mention was um, like the emphasis on... Uh, within the old rite, um, the concept of the sacrifice versus in the new rite, the concept of a meal. And we can see this in the design even of um, within architecture, within the design of the altars mm-hmm. that are in the newer parishes. Honest, honestly, just walk into a di- diocesan Catholic church and look at the altar. Nine times out of ten, it's going to look like, like a table. I think we can all agree with that. S- sometimes they might be ornate with uh, a Last Supper on it or um, carving on it. Of some sort, um, but when you compare them to the high altars that are used at the, um, you know, let's just say the Institute of Christ the King or something like that, that's that's an altar. Like there's something special that happens there. Form form and function having both and uh, gesturing up towards heaven.
2: If you're building a church for a sacrifice, you're not building it in the round.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. I hate that this is what it calls to mind when I see setups like or architecture like that. But uh, the scene from C.S. Lewis, The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, when Aslan is killed by the White Witch.
0: On those stones. And it's,
3: you know, just yeah. on the stone, on the stone table, it just, it calls, and I don't want to use, I, I hate using this phrase with a consecrated altar, and I don't mean it this way, but it's, you know, it calls to mind a perverted altar. And so i I now, I don't mean that in any disrespect. Maybe not perverted, but
0: maybe barbaric because, or... Um...
3: Yeah, there's there's a better term for it than what I'm using, but it it touches a place in me that is unsettling because this is not what it was meant to be. You know, there's, there's, if you understand Catholic theology, if you read the writings of the saints, this is not what it was meant to be. You go to a Catholic church in the Novus Ordo and yes, you're still at Calvary, but sometimes yeah. it feels like you're watching the sacrifice from the furthest hill.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
3: and it, it, and it breaks your heart.
1: The parish that Mike and, and Brooke and I all went to as teenagers, mm-hmm. the altar is made out of cement. Yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> Like it's cement. Like it, well, I mean, the whole like
0: church is just like bricks. It's, it looks more like a prison than it does a church. It's yeah. it's like some. It's probably some yeah. of the worst church architecture I've ever seen, save for the church that we saw in Portugal. Like in Fatima, the new the new quote, the, no, the old basilica, the JPT one. That's bad. The one we yeah. went to is up there.
3: Yeah, bad architecture does not speak to the glory of God. I mean, just no. hands down
0: a little
1: bit of insider baseball here too. Like in our diocese there's a there's a bad actor who I won't name, but if you know you know. And he is kind of one of the consultants that assists with the design of the churches and like any new church builds that uh, that are going into the diocese. And whenever they have to get an altar, he tells them that you can't have an altar stone in the altar itself. Um, which I mean, it's, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, there's so much theology (laughs) that goes back literally 2000 years. So yeah, an altar stone is like a a piece of normally it's like a piece of marble that contains usually two or three relics. One, uh, one relic specifically is supposed to be a relic of a martyr. And, and it is placed in the center of the altar where the priest places the um the corporal the, the the white linen upon which the eucharist is confected it you know the symbolism of it being that it's very much a connection of the worship that we're doing on earth uniting with the heavenly worship in in heaven and but i mean it's kind of funny because there's these modernists they just want to get rid of anything that smacks of anything from from the the ancient liturgy, right? Because, like, even in the prayers of the foot of the altar, which you can hear about in our previous episode, it's in the liturgical breakdown. Maybe, Brooke, you could put it in the show notes. But, like, in the prayers of the foot of the altar, the priest... Will come up the stairs and kiss the altar and pray that the saints whose relics are here, you know, he asks for their intercession. But I mean, I mean, if you're doing the Novus Ordo, you're not asking for for saints to intercede for you, you know, especially the ones that are whose bones are in the altar. So you know, why have an altar stone anyway? That you know, maybe that's the line of thinking. But it it's just so, like you said, perverted, and I, I think that is a fair term because it it really is a perversion of what tradition, you know, the whole. Ghost has inspired in tradition over the last 2,000 years. It's just jettisoning it for for novelty and for banality. In the Catechism, it references Trent and all of that, which is great because the Catechism of the Council of Trent has a whole section on the Mass as sacrifice, full Mm -hmm. stop. But, you know, like it's sad that there's this disconnect between what we know the Church teaches and how it is in practice.
0: Well, even when I was reviewing... um. You know, the catechism that I use for, for our daughter, who is hopefully going to be preparing for first communion this year, they have a specific chapter and it's titled the sacrifice of the mass. And I mean, you know, in, in brief, they discuss the mass, the sacrifice, uh, what a sacrifice is. It's a gift, for, it's a gift to God that the mass is a sacrifice, that it's also a reminder and it is a ceremony. And they, they go into it in brief, but the fact that you're still explaining that the mass is. A sacrifice to young children is catechesis that I don't think most adults have received. Or at least most Catholics these days haven't received well or in full. Amen. Amen. I have no I have no recollection of my
1: first communion class ever speaking about that. No. Or my they even my confirmation know. class. No. Nope. Speaking about that. No. You know, this is all stuff that I fell upon accidentally, you know, reading Catholic answers as a as a teenager.
0: Yeah. I think there would be a lot of I don't know. I feel like it would be part of the reversion of so many souls to understand the importance of sacrifice within Catholicism. The pinnacle of our faith is the Eucharist, and to understand the Eucharist also means to understand the sacrifice involved. That's the the weight of it. Right. Oh,
3: yeah, and I think that a part of that is going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with the ways of the interior life, mm. where you know you give people that understanding of the purgative way, the eliminative way, and you know just like okay, here's how you live out these three ways, and you know I mean of course ultimately it's something that is going to take an entire revolution to bring back, but we've got people that are working that direction. I mean uh, Father Ripperger talks a lot about it, the traditionalist side. And then Dr. Brant Petrie has been doing a lot of oh, yeah. writing. He's got a lot of information out there. And he's a lot more widely read in the Novus Ordo side. So, I mean, it is getting some attention, but it's going to take so much more. It's going to take an entire revolution or counter-revolution to bring this back. And when you bring back prayer the way that it should be, then I think you'll see the idea of sacrifice getting the attention that it deserves. Because it's one is so integral to the other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Petrie today and yesterday, actually, and it was he broke things down so easily and tied them back to, you know, the Jewish, the Jewish traditions and the Jewish customs and everything Mm -hmm. just like it helps make things more digestible and understandable. He'd be he's a super helpful resource for sure to understanding that. Uh
3: Yeah, One of my favorite things that he says is like, if you see anything weird in Catholicism, it's usually from the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and yes. it really is. Yeah. And like, he's he's got, I think it was uh, Catholic Productions has one of his lecture series that he did for a seminary where, and it's literally 13 and a half hours of him talking about this topic. And it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it just breaks it down to such a great degree that, you know, you walk away feeling like, okay, this is something, it's going to be hard, but it's doable. I understand what's going on, but where you can actually start approaching the spiritual life in an intelligent manner. You're going to have to find an appropriate spiritual director, which these days is no small feat. But I mean, there's more resources for that now than there has been. Dan Burke is doing incredible work on that side. He's just, you know, shoot, he's just down the street from me. I need to go knock on his door. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's nothing stopping you from starting. All it all it takes is humility and a confessional to get started on the path. And, you know, like I say, when the student's ready, the teacher will come. You
1: know, my, my trad soapbox too here, like, I really do see just how necessary it is though for people like Bram petrie and john bergsma and scott hahn they have the best of intentions and they are incredibly intelligent people and they're very good catholics and i believe that they are far holier than i'll ever be but the one thing that i think they get wrong is that they are they remain such apologists for the new right and it's like if you look at the latin mass if you look at it it's far more Jewish than the New Mass, <laughs> even even with the insertion of those table prayers. Like, there's so much more, so many more Jewish roots in the traditional Latin Mass because it literally goes back to apostolic origins. Like, it's literally, you know, like, it's connected right to the apostles. So, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I wish that they would just, because I know Bram Petrie has gone to the traditional Latin Mass. Scott Hahn let the cat out of the bag that he goes there, too. You know, I just want these guys to just start putting out resources and sharing the actual beauty of the old right and their connections to the these things because they are they are so plentiful. Dr. K, Dr. Kwasniewski, Peter Kwasniewski, does a fantastic job at this. But I think if we had the firepower of Petrie and Bergsima and Scott, Scott Hahn behind this stuff, it would be amazing. That's just my my random side note. But <laughs> I just, it drives me nuts when I'm listening to the these guys and they're talking about the old, right. And I'm just like, Ooh, you guys, there's so much more. Like, just, just talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, please. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, I think fortunately for us or fortunately for our children and our grandchildren and that, and so on and so forth, we've got all these guys who are doing all this great work and, They're going to have the opportunity to look at it with much more objectivity, where we're in the middle of the fight. We're at the moment where the Latin mass is under attack, where tradition is being, or they're attempting to strip tradition from us. They're going to be able to look back and say, here's all these resources. Here's all these things were written. It's going to, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be for them what St. Pius X is for us. And they're going to be able to look at it with that objectivity, where right now we've got the. Fight going on, We've got the emotion around us. My temper goes off on the stuff all the time, and so it's so <laughs> hard to keep objectivity because, and you know, it's one of my failings. Unfortunately, I was born to be a Viking, but uh, you know, these it blows my mind that like, oh, why can't you see this? And then it's like, oh, because we get so married to ideas, we get so married to these causes that we can't see the forest for the trees. But you know, in twenty years, in fifty years, in hundred years, priorities are going to be different. You know, the the act are going to be different and there's going to be these resources that they're going to be looking at and saying oh you know this is what you know peter kwasniewski was saying about this and look you know look how he laid all of this out and it's going to be a historical document at that point not the next book that just came out because that dude's putting a book out every three days
0: yeah (laughs) it's so (laughs) true
3: he's prolific like i've never seen and it's all amazing yeah and he's all over Facebook yeah. too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, guys, I think this was uh, oh, yeah. this is really fun, uh, and I'm so glad it was four of us hanging out together to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. So Thank the question, the question that's on everybody's mind: Chris, you coming back for the next episode, if you can?
1: We'll see. We'll see. I'll do my best.
0: I'll make you two smash burgers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get. To, I need to have two smash burgers on one on okay. one one pad or one bun. I'll make we'll- smash.
0: Four smash oh, burgers. That, that's <laughs> too much. That's too much. And a bulletproof. That's, that's, that's United States
1: of Smash <laughs> Burger. No. That, that is, is, a smash smash Burger. is a United States of Smash <laughs> Burger. For the record, Brooke has told me that sh- she has a, a surprise gift for me, and I've been racking my brain trying to figure it out. I think I figured it out, but you
0: did you yeah, write it down and um, put it in your pocket? Because if if uh, you get no. if you get it if you get it right, I go out for half price apps, which is against my code of adult life conduct to yeah, be she, she, out of she the refuses, house. She refuses.
1: <laughs> she refuses to leave the house after eight p.m. So it's true. I'm old. Yeah, it's mo- monastery rules, basically in Strauss House. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> the enclosure um, is shut.
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh, on the next episode when I return, I will let I will let everybody know whether I was right or wrong.
0: Yeah, Tim, what do you think I'm given? I'm giving Chris. Let's just see.
3: Well, you've already given him the you've already given him the gri- the gift of Christmas. What more is there? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You literally saved
0: Christmas. <laughs> Mike already knows what the gift is. I think he wishes yeah. he could have it for himself.
1: Yeah.
3: Is it okay. Ferrero Rocher? Ferrero Rocher? The little uh the candies?
1: Rocher.
0: Rocher. Ferrero
3: Rocher. No, Ferrero Rocher. I, Rocher. <laughs> I live in the, have, I live in the deep the south. States. We have them. They're delicious. I love them.
0: It's the yeah. best. But they're, like, they're, wrapped but
3: like, gold, they're wrapped in little gold. the wrapped in little gold foil. And that a yeah, sound. These little is chocolate like, and hazelnut nuggets of goodness. Yeah,
2: they're the best. That a sound is like one of the few things are... we all remember from learning French in school as Canadians. Rocher. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: It's like it's like oh, foyer. Or, yeah, do rocher. you say foyer?
3: Do you say foyer or foyer? no? We say foyer down here. Yeah, foyer. we say foyer down here. Foyer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have. It's a foyer here. <laughs> yeah. It's where you yeah, go no. for fun. Foyers. Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, we we all talk like Yosemite Sam here. So
1: <laughs> it's funny because you say Yosemite deep C'est south. No. You say you're deep south. But I do. I... if you go truly deep south, you're in Louisiana, and I'm sure they'll probably say foyer down there, wouldn't they?
3: You know, they've got the weirdest French down there. Like I couldn't piece it together. It's related to the Quebecois French. Which yeah. is yeah. apparently yeah. extremely different from but that's French what we as spoken in France.
0: It's true, yeah.
3: The Quebecois, yeah. Quebecois, yeah. like in Canadian mm. school, you have to learn yeah. Quebecois French.
0: I am, I am, I am the most French here. Like
2: her family is actually French Canadian,
0: yeah. Yeah, a couple, a couple generations yeah. French maybe That's
3: where it's like it's like uh, in Norway, you have to go to school and learn Nynorsk, which the, the new Norse, which is to kind of get rid of some of the regional differences where everybody actually speaks Pokemon So it's
0: so big announcement. Uh, also, you know what the next da, 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 episode da. we're going to record is? Nutritional
3: breakdown. Theology of the Buddy on Ice. Wow. Is that
0: UX tool?
1: That was kind of a growly growl (laughs) it was pretty good Brooke. i'm 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 impressed
0: oh mike's winking at me (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're coming back with liturgical breakdown it has been too long and i'm super excited super stoked
1: i can't wait to talk about more about the operatory and the canon
0: okay
2: yeah I can't wait to talk about Saint Michael, who stands at the right hand of
3: the altar of incense.
0: Tim, what are you excited about? You gotta tell us.
3: I've got some nachos in the oven.
2: <laughs> 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 I'm coming to your house, buddy. I'm on my way. I'll, I'll Let's quick go. Oh, yeah. to Alabama. <laughs> Velvita, <here I> come.
0: <laughs> Super excited for the next episode. It's going to be great. Liturgical breakdown. Bringing it back. Hardcore. You're not hardcore if you don't listen to Theology of the Buddy and...
2: Jack Black agrees.
0: <laughs> A.K.A. Chris. In the person of Chris. Hey. <laughs> so, in the meantime, guys, what you gonna do? You're gonna stay, stay trattie.
3: trattie. Stay traddy. Stay
1: a fatty. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. What are your thoughts on today's episode? We would love to hear from you guys. Message us on Facebook or DM on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Find us on Twitter at TradFriends or email us at TheologyoftheBuddy at gmail.com. You can also send us a voicemail via Facebook Messenger. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Would you also please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes? We'd greatly appreciate it as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. Also, make sure you're subscribed so you can listen to us as soon as the next episode is out. We'll save you a seat at the table. New episodes are going to be released every other Monday, hopefully. God bless. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.